I'm just going to kick this off with prayer. Then we're going to get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for what we have already experienced. Have your way in the lives of people today. May we be blessed by what you want to say to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said? We're talking about women. We're talking about what it is to be a wise woman. And last week I told you, I gave an illustration and a, a, a statistic that talked about how women outlive men. By almost 10 years, women outlive men. And I got to doing some research, and I've actually found some images that prove why women outlive men. So let's see some of those. All right? Can you see an issue with this picture? Might be a bad idea to light up around. Okay. Did you know that uh, that cape is actually supposed to be on your side? You're not supposed to be wearing a cape when you're bullfighting, in case you're ever bullfighting it sometimes, so. Not a smart thing. Notice these are all guys. What is it with guys and ladders? What is it with guys and ladders? But don't worry about it. He's holding it. Okay. All right. See what else we got. There's always a, a better way to cut the hedges. And if you just happen to have a crane and a truck, you can take care of that quick, fast, and in a hurry. What else we got? At some point, these guys are going to say, okay, we're ready. <laughs> bad idea I like this one because he's not even holding the guy's ankle he's just holding his pants so hopefully the guy's wearing a good belt what else we got this guy he's going to feel this in the morning he's probably going to have to have a few stitches it's a ladder thing again tables and a ladder last one is my favorite there, has anybody ever heard of wrestling the bear? I got a good friend one time. He said, well, you know, I had a chance to do that. He said, I didn't win, but I got to wrestle a bear. But anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it may be better to be a woman simply because women outlive men. They don't, guys don't always make the best decision and take more risks. But we're actually talking about a wise woman. I found out, and I believe that there is this massive increase in knowledge and education. But there's this scarcity of wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to understand and to apply the knowledge that you receive through life experience, that you receive through education, that you receive through knowledge. It gives you the ability for good judgment, for making decisions, because wherever you are today is a result of the decisions that, we, that you make, right? Wherever we are today is a result of our decisions. That's why we need wisdom. But wisdom can't, it doesn't happen like knowledge and education does. Wisdom is not so much pragmatic as much as it is organic. Wisdom takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of effort. It takes interacting with other people. It might take interaction with a mentor. It might take some, some life experience. It might take some, some planning. It's a little bit different. You can't just Google wisdom and you get wisdom. Wisdom is a little bit different. But if you want wisdom, it takes a little bit of effort. And last week we talked about, because it was Mother's Day, we talked about wisdom as it applies to the ladies in the house. We specifically talked about a woman named Abigail who saved her family. She was not only a beautiful woman, but she was a wise woman. Because of her acts of wisdom, she saved her family and she changed the mind of a king. In 1 Samuel 25 and 1, it talks a little bit about her story. And I read it last week. I'm not going to read all that today. I'm just going to give you the skinny on it. And we're going to, and we're going to review the first three and talk about the next three. I'm not going to preach for very long. Is that okay? 
because I took that time in the offering. What happened was, after David killed Goliath, he became famous. Saul asked about who he was, and he brought him in, and he began, he stayed right there in the kingdom. Well, over time, David became a famous warrior. He was known as a famous warrior. He became famous because of his exploits. The king sent him on missions, and he was always productive, and he was always victorious. Even impossible tasks were accomplished by David, so he became famous. So they wrote songs about him, and one song that Saul particularly did not like was when the ladies, when, when, when they were coming back from the exploits, when coming back from their victory, the women in the streets were singing, Saul has killed, killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. So the king's coming in, and they're celebrating somebody else. Saul, the king of the Israelites, becomes jealous, so it is in his heart to kill David because he's thinking David's going to take over the kingdom. My son Jonathan will not be the king unless David's out of here. So David escapes with only his life. He is married to a king's daughter. He has to leave her. He leaves his best friend Jonathan. He leaves his family. He's the son of Jesse. He leaves his family, and now he's living like, a, like a, an outlaw. He's living in the wilderness. He's living... In caves, and he has gathered over time, he's gathered about 600 of the fiercest warriors that have ever walked the face of the planet. Well, keep in mind, all these bad things are happening. He's got, he's got Saul behind him, who's pursuing him with 3,000 men. His brothers are pursuing him. His, the guys that he has died with, or the guys that, that he has bled with, that he has gone to war with. And then he's got uh, the Philistines on the other side, and he's living out in the wilderness. He's on the edge of a farm of a man named Nabal. Nabal is a, a sheep and a goat farmer. And at this time, it is sheep shearing time. Everybody say sheep shearing time. I want you to say that as fast as you can three times. I, took, I, I couldn't do it, but it's a good practice. What this is, is for the, the sheep farmer, this is... The same thing to, that, that harvest time is to a, a regular farmer. That this is a time of celebration. This is a time where you're going to make a lot of money. Imagine having 3,000 sheep and it's time to shave them and you have some scissors. That's all you have. So you gather a whole bunch of people together. You have this big festival. You feed all of these people. You bring in uh, wine. and So it's, it's this great big festival. So David, who was an ex-shepherd, he knows that it's this time. He's feeding 600 men. He's living as an outlaw. He sends word to Nabal. He says, hey, he sends his, his men. He says, go tell Nabal. Say these words to him. Hey, we have protected and we have been as a wall to your sheep and goats. We have not taken one. And uh, we have not allowed anybody, any outlaws or whatever, to uh, harm them. So here's the deal. Would you be willing to share some of your provisions? Since you're having this great big festival, would you be willing to share with my men? Some of your things, some of your celebrations, some of your food, some of your wine. Well, Nabal, the Bible says, who was a little bit crude in, in his dealings, he insults David in front of his men. Now, David's not there, but he insults him in front of his house, and he insults. He says something like, who is David? Who does this guy think that he is? Am I going to take my food? Should I take my things that I provided for him and give it to some slave that has run away from his master? So these men go back to David in front of his men and say, Hey, uh, this is what Nabal said. Now remember, David is, is sort of at his wit's end. He's being pursued by Saul. He's had the opportunity to kill Saul, take over the kingdom. In fact, 
that's what people want to happen. But he has decided not to do that because he does not want to take over the kingdom by killing Saul, who's kind of like his spiritual father. David's had enough. So he looks at 400 of his men. He says, everybody strap on your swords. We're going to kill this guy. So they strap on their swords. They gather, he, uh, he gathers up all of his men, and they head towards Nabal's house. The Bible says, he looks over at his men. He says, may God strike me dead if everybody in his home is not dead by tomorrow. He's about to do this horrible, horrible thing. The Bible says that, they, that, that as 400 men, they, they, they're coming down this ravine, this, this big ravine into this little valley. 400 guys, here they come. Here comes Abigail. In the meantime, some of Nabal's servants go to Abigail and say, Look, listen, listen, listen to me. Listen, he insulted David. Everybody knew about David, how, how fierce he was, how dangerous he was. Listen, you got to do something about this. Nabal has insulted uh, 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 David and his men, and we're telling you, he's coming after it. She got to do something. The Bible says she gathered up a whole bunch of food, a whole bunch of raisin cakes, a whole bunch of wine, all kinds of stuff, and she sent it with the servants. And she says, I'll, I'll come later. Just get there with this gift. So you had David coming down this ravine. They're meeting this valley. Then you have Abigail, this one woman on this donkey riding down in this ravine, and they meet in the middle. And the Bible says that she got off her donkey. She went and she kneels down in front. Of David and she says forgive me for this offense if I have offended you in any way and I'm going to read some more of this here in just a second I accept full responsibility and she goes on to talk to him make a long story short the Bible says that David accepts her gift and he changes his mind and says I'm not going to kill your husband today well I want to continue with and to explore how Abigail acted in wisdom to change the mind of a king and to save her family Last week, we discovered that Abigail, in her example, we see that a wise woman is, first of all, sensible. Number one, she's sensible. She's not only beautiful, she's sensible. I'll talk about this here in just a second, but she actually, David actually said to her, thank God for your good sense because I was about to make a bad decision. Number two, we see that a wise woman is swift. Abigail didn't make any excuses. She didn't throw a fit. She didn't gripe out her husband. She acted. Massive, immediate action to save her family. Number three, we see that she was selfless. She took the path of humility. She didn't show up, see David, gripe him out for making a bad decision. The first thing that she did without saying a word is kneel before him. As we're going to read here in just a second, she actually calls him Lord, even though he doesn't deserve that term yet. She took the road of humility and she saved her family from being murdered. Let's continue this week. Number four, a wise woman is insightful. A wise woman is insightful. The ability to see inside of a situation. Insightful. Not just, not just see what's going on on the surface. On the surface, David was upset, but on the inside, there was something else going on. She she is sensitive to what is going on in David's life, and she reveals that. She is sensitive, and she, is, she takes an empathetic approach. And the 26th verse is, And here is a present that I have, your servant. Uh, I have brought to you and to your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you for, with an everlasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles, and you have not done anything wrong throughout your entire life. In other words, what she's saying is, David, I'm aware of your struggles. 
David, I know what's going on in your life. Insight is the, like I said before, is the ability to look inside, not just see what's on the outside, but to see what's on the inside. In Proverbs 15 and 1, it says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let me read that again. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How many times have we, and I'm specifically talking to the ladies today, how many times, ladies, have you ignored that scripture? Put that back up there for a second, will you? A soft answer turns away wrath. Do you know that God has equipped us as husbands and wives to, uh, to be able to, to communicate with each other better than anybody on the face of the planet? And nobody knows how to deal with their man better than the wife. Would you agree with that, ladies? Would you agree with nobody knows him? Nobody knows how to deal with him. Nobody knows how to push his buttons. Nobody knows how to make him angry. Nobody knows how to calm him down better than you. That's, that's the, the cool things about the differences between men and women. The women have that, that keen sense of insight to, to be able to do that. But how many times do we ignore that? Our natural reaction is harsh language. Men or women. Our natural response is to be harsh, rather, rather uh, to return a hateful answer. You know, a hateful answer is a surface answer, if you think about it for a second. When a person, when a person is angry and they say something that they shouldn't say, there's something on the inside that's causing that. Would you agree with that? That's, that's what she, that's what, what was going on with Abigail. On the surface, David was very upset with Nabal. And, and he was coming to kill, he, she was, she, he, she, he was coming to kill Nabal. But Abigail was able to show insight, see what was on the inside, and address what was going on. And she didn't show up there and say, David, you're not doing this. She took a step back and was insightful and had a different answer. She had a soft answer to turn away the wrath. She, she, she stu- had to take a step back and looked at the situation. Another thing is she owned the offense even though it was not her fault. A lot of times when we were offended, a lot of times when we offend another person in our life, we defend that, that situation. Here's a good rule. If you offend don't defend. Did you hear that? If, if Notice that she didn't show up. David had been offended. She didn't show up and defend that point of view. She, did, she owned it, and she said, if I have offended you in any way. She says, David, please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. Her insight had a goal. A lot of times when we are, are are in a debate or win an argument with a spouse, we defend ourselves and we don't think about the, what is best for the union. What should every goal of every conflict be? Peace. She had a goal. Now, she could think about what was right. She could talk about what was wrong. She could talk about that, the fact that David was doing all these wrong things. But the goal was to save her family. And if, order, if she's going to save her family, then she needs to get some peace going on. So the goal was peace. So a harsh answer turns away wrath. I'm sorry, a soft answer turns away wrath. What we need to do before we react, we got to take a step back. Number five, a wise woman is shrewd. A wise woman is shrewd. Shrewd is simply perceptive. She knows what she is doing. In the 26th verse, she says, My Lord, as I said before, David 
is not deserving of that term. But when she gets off of her donkey and kneels before him, the first thing that she says, you know, after she owns it, she says, My Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands. Now, what is she talking about? What she's doing is she's saying, she's, she's talking his language. She's talking about the fact that Saul has been chasing him. And the, the first thing that she does is she, throw, she throws God into the conversation. Don't you like it when you're arguing with your spouse, when your spouse throws God into the conversation? But that's what she's doing, but she's doing it for a reason. She's not doing it for her own sake, but she's doing it because there's a, she's going somewhere with this. The Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance. In other words, David, I understand what you're going through, and I know that you've had the opportunity to act in vengeance toward King Saul, but God has kept you from doing this. So she's saying, I know what you're going through. She says, and here is my present. Listen to how shrewd she is. Not only is she saying that God has kept you from doing some things that you shouldn't do, she's also giving him a gift. She says this in 20th verse, Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty. She also says, For you are fighting the Lord's battles. You're fighting the Lord's battles. There was probably a time... And maybe this was a time. I believe that David, at this point in his life, where he has lost his wife because the king has given his wife to somebody else, he's lost the potential to be king. Everything that he thought that he thought he was going to get, have in the future is gone. And he didn't even do anything. So maybe he began to question what this is all about. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you thought, man, I thought I was doing everything right. I thought that this was what God wanted me to do. And all of a sudden, you begin to question what this is all about. And she says, David, you are fighting the Lord's battles. Now, he believed that he was fighting the Lord's battles. When he first began to do, King's, to do King Saul's bidding, when he first was a warrior, he was going out. And I'm sure that he was saying to his men, we are fighting the Lord's battles. But now, all of a sudden, he's not even in the king's court. He's not even fighting with a king. He's fighting for himself. He's probably thinking to himself, who am I fighting for? Why am I doing this? You know, when you're sensitive to God and when you approach a situation like this, God will speak to you or God will speak through you sometimes. David, you're fighting the Lord's battles. Don't forget what you're doing, David. What is, what is she saying? She goes on to say this. And you have done and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. She's saying to David, David, this is not who you are. You are not a murderer, David. God has protected you. Listen to what else she says. Even when, you have when, even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, even when the enemy is after you, you don't do anything wrong. In fact, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. We know that David carried a small pouch. I don't know if he carried it when he was an adult, but when he was a younger man, he carried stones in a little pouch. The Bible says that the Benjamites, that was one tribe of Israel, they could, they could hurl a, swing, a, a sling with right hand and, and a spear with the other. So this was a part of warfare, being able to, 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 you know, a slingshot. So he probably had this little pouch that he kept. So she would say, the Lord has kept you safe in that treasure pouch. She goes on to say, she says, 
but the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. What is she saying there? She's reminding him of the power of God in his life when he was younger. David, don't forget what God did in your life a few years back. Don't forget that God delivers you from your enemies. You don't need to take vengeance. David, this is not who you are. This is not how a king acts. Don't do this. She goes on to say, when the Lord has done all that he has promised and has made you a leader of Israel... Don't let this situation be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. Then she goes on to say, and when the Lord has done all these great things, this reminds me that she was a woman. She says, and when God has done all these things, please remember me, your servant. I'm going to come back to that here in just a second. Shrewd is simply being sharp, being intelligent, being in the moment, and showing good judgment and being perceptive. You know, a wise woman, the Bible says Abigail was a beautiful woman, but a wise woman will use her beauty for a cause greater than herself. Every woman is beautiful, but a wise woman won't use that beauty just to bring attention to herself. She uses that beauty for a cause greater than herself. Abigail's beauty got David's attention, but her, word, but her words of wisdom earned his respect. Amen? We live in a selfie crazed society that beauty gets you a lot of attention. Beauty can get you a lot of followers. Beauty can get you a lot of likes on social media. But you don't just want the attention of people. You want the respect. Beauty will get you, ladies, beauty No matter how old you are, beauty will get his attention, but your wisdom will get you his respect. Looking cute, fancy clothes might get you noticed, but wisdom will bring success in your life. Don't ever forget the importance of wisdom. And speaking of success, that's the last thing I want to cover. A wise woman is a successful woman. This one encounter with a future king changed the outcome of her entire life and her destiny. In the 29th or 39th verse, it says, well, I'll just tell you, not long after this situation, Nabal passed away. And it got back to David some time later that when Nabal had passed away, immediately he thought of her. I believe that the reason he thought of her was because she told him to, didn't she? What'd she say? Hey, when God has done all these wonderful things in your life, don't forget me. The Bible says that he sent his guy, I don't know how romantic this is, but he sent his guys to her to ask her to marry him. (laughs) I think only David could get away with something like that. Hey, will you go ask her? Tell her that I want to marry him. Hey, David wants to know if you'll marry him. (laughs) If you're young and you're thinking about getting married, I wouldn't recommend that type of proposal. But she loaded up her servant girls and she went with him and the bible says it she became his wife she would be a future queen the writer of proverbs talks about an incredibly successful woman in fact proverbs the 31st chapter the person who wrote this i believe that he was talking about his mother the bible says that she gets up before dawn and prepares breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls She goes to inspect a field and she buys it. And with her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, 
a hard worker. She makes sure that her dealings are profitable. Let me be clear, especially if you're part of this graduating class of 2017, whether it be high school or college. Let me tell you something. Ladies, you are your answer. Let me, let me, let me uh, go a little bit farther. The only person who can make you successful is you. I believe that we put, we put God in our plans and we pray, but nothing replaces immediate massive action on your part. The only person that is going to make you successful is you. Who? That's right, not me. Say, everybody say me. Who's going to make you successful? Who's going to have to put in the time and the effort and the work? Who's the only person that can stop you? Who's the only person holding you back? That's right. It's time that we own that. It's time, ladies, that you own that. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Look at your other neighbor and say, I don't know. He may be talking to me. I want to tell you something. I want you to get this down into your heart, ladies. You are a prince of a king. You are a prince of a king. Your father, he made you. He gifted you. He gave you abilities. He gave you his favor. He's given you provision. He has made you who you are. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So what are you waiting for? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you waiting for? It's time to wise up. It's time to stop believing the lies of the enemy. It's time to stop making excuses and start taking massive, immediate action. It's time to get going. It's time to seek his wisdom, believe in who you are, and believe in who he has called you to be and walk in the wisdom of God. It's time to seek God's wisdom in our lives. Amen? If you ever get tired of making the same bad decisions, you ever get tired of your life going in circles, have you ever get, if, if you ever get tired of messing up and having to go back, maybe you need to think about walking in God's wisdom. I want to pray for you today right now. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you have given us to come and be in a part of this service. I thank you, Lord, for blessing us. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to every person. And Lord, in this moment, I especially pray for my sisters, your daughters in the house. I pray, God, that you will speak to them, that you will wrap your arms around them. Lord, we don't want to diminish or disregard anything bad that has happened to someone today. But Lord, if we dwell on the harm, if we we dwell on the hurt that has happened, we will not live in this present day and we will not seize and walk in the future that you have given to us. So now, right now, Lord, in this moment, I pray for my sisters. I pray, Lord, that you'll bring healing in any situation that that might has happened in in their lives. And I also pray, Lord, that you you will help us to rise up, that you will help my sisters to rise up and believe in who you call them to to be. And I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen them, that we can walk in royalty, that we can walk in the future that, that they have been given. So, Father, I pray for every woman. Bring healing, bring comfort, and bring wisdom for your daughters in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. As your heads are bowed, I want to pray one more prayer. 
If you're here today and you don't know Christ and He's not Lord and Savior of your life, we always like to take a little bit of time at the end of every message. Let me say this right off the bat. If you're here today and you feel like God has called you, you feel like God is tugging at your heart, maybe that's the whole reason that you're here, that you want to come home, you want to give your life to Christ. I want to take some time right now, and I'd like to pray for you. Now, let me tell you this. We won't ask you to stand up, come down here, single you out, do anything that would feel like it would embarrass you. I just want you to pray right where you're seated, and we'll all pray together. But I would like to know specifically if there are people here that need to come home, that, that you feel like you need to give your life to Christ today, whether you've never given your life to Christ or whether at some time you walked away from God and you want to return, whatever your situation might be, this is the time that we can all agree together and you can come home. If that's you, if you say, Travis, if you'll pray that prayer, I'm going to pray it with you right now. I'm going to enter into that prayer and I want to give my life to Christ. Just slip your hand up and slip it down. Can anybody say that? That's me, Travis. I want to give my life to Christ today. And I want you to pray that prayer and I'm going to pray it with you. I'm just going to wait a few moments. So if that's you, and you're serious, let me know. I need to see your hand. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And I trust we all live for you and serve you. If we don't, Lord, may we give our lives to you. And may Faith Co. continue to be a church that wins souls. And I pray, Lord, that we continue to reach out to people, Lord, through our jobs and through our community, Lord. And I thank you for it, Lord. And I pray for every mother, for every daughter in the house, Lord, that you would do great things. Lord, that, that, that precept upon precept, line upon line, blessing upon blessing, you will strengthen the daughters of this house, God. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, for your word that has gone forth in the name of Jesus. Amen.